Welcome back, everybody, to Emerald Sports. After a long hiatus, we are finally back. Brennan Ferber here, as always, with Carlos Pimentel. Carlos, how was your break, my man? Um, It was well needed. Yeah? Yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, it was great. Got to go chill on the coast, the coast a little bit, be a little beach bum. Uh, but yeah, we were supposed to be back a few weeks ago that you got sick, uh, but we're back here now, and let's just dive into it, shall we? We, uh, we got a little bit of basketball to recap. Uh, we'll start with the women's, uh, which was a bittersweet month for them uh, back in March. They made the tournament as a five seed, but unfortunately lost to the number 12 seed Belmont in the first round with a score of 73-70. to 70. That went into overtime. It was Niara Sabali's last game in the green and yellow as she declared for the WNBA draft and will be taking her talents to the next level, which we can talk about a little bit later. Uh, but it was also the last game for the Ducks for Maddie Schur, Sydney Parrish, Kylie Watson, and Taylor Bigby, all of whom have entered the transfer portal. Carlos, did the loss of Belmont come as a big surprise to you, and is it indicative of maybe some of the struggles they could potentially face next season? Yeah, I think that the the loss did come as a as a surprise because going into this, I mean, we were talking about all season about, you know, the tournament is our chance to really come out on top. The Pac-12 tournament didn't go as we wanted as we wanted it to be, and I'm, I'm sure the players as well and this, uh, the staff and the fans. But coming into this game, I'm like, okay, we, we draw Belmont with a five seed. We have an opportunity to go and really make it make a dominant run. Um, I think that the the side of the bracket that they were on, I was kind of a little worried once, you know, looking past Belmont, which I probably shouldn't have done. Um, but yeah, it was a surprise, but it was one of those hard fought games that we've seen them fight in time after time again this season where they they get down to the nitty gritty. And unfortunately, it didn't go our way. Yeah. And you said looking past them. I don't think you were the only one. I think the entire fan base did. And I think the team did. Uh, it was definitely heartbreaking, to be sure. Not the dream send-off I think people wanted for Sobley, but she balled out. 31 points, 12 boards, 7 blocks. We'll definitely continue her success at the next level. But, I mean, the game was kind of a perfect summary of how the season went. You know, domination from her and one of the guards, whether it be Pow Pow or Rogers. I know Rogers kind of had a down game. And then not a lot of production from the rest of the team offensively, but... You know, Belmont, I got to give them credit. They looked better than than I think everybody anticipated. Really organized on offense. There was a clear disadvantage. We were a lot bigger than them, but they made up for it with scheming and really good three-point shooting. They shot 33.3, whereas we only had uh, 19%. And like you said, it was summing up the season. I mean, if you look back at with the way that the, the three-point shooting was, you know, throughout the season and the way the offense went, that was exactly how it went. And you mm-hmm. summed that up perfectly is that, you know, Niara was our offense and our defense. I was, she was kind of like our... our uh, Catalyst. Yeah, yeah. She, she was the X factor of the team. She was the anchor and she, you know, she showed that in this game, in the big moment, you know, this is, once you get into determinate time, it's the, it's the biggest moment of your co- collegiate career mm-hmm. when it comes to basketball. She really played well, but yeah, the three point shooting, you know, the 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 lack of uh, offensive scoring from other other players, you know, that right there sums up where where the season was, and unfortunately, it ended that way. Yeah, and just to look at next year, I am pretty optimistic. I'm not tremendously worried because we're retaining Tahina Pow Pow, which was huge. Losing Sabali is definitely unfortunate, and all those transfers, but they're keeping India Rogers. And Sedona Prince is returning. So I'm expecting her. She's going to have big shoes to fill with Sobley. She's going to have to be the the power in that front court. But losing Watson, Sure, and Parrish, it's definitely unfortunate. But I think they were more of role players. They weren't doing a ton in that offense. Even look at the Belmont game uh, where they moved Maddie Sure to the bench. 
you know, three points, one for six shooting. Yeah, you you brought up a good point of uh, you know retaining um, retaining Pow Pow and retaining uh, Sedona because we saw towards the end of the season and once Sedona like started to become healthy and get into her role and start playing more minutes. She really showed out pretty Definitely. well. And I I know like from the start when we started this podcast, you talked about, you know, you've always been a big fan of Sedona and you and you wanted to see her uh, play big minutes. And now next year, looking forward, this is her time. You know, this could be the new one two punch that we're going to see. You know, uh, they both have room to work, work on their skills and, you mm-hmm. know, have a lot of things that they can improve on. But that just makes me more optimistic to what we're going to be looking forward to in the next season. Yeah, we did lose, you know, a key, a few key role players and some players going to the transfer pool, but I'm not worried. I mean, if you, there's one thing about Oregon as a whole, you know, as a school and as programs, is they we know how to recruit. Definitely. So we we already have some uh, high-rated uh, recruits coming in next year. Kelly Graves is, I mean, he is just a phenomenal coach. He knows what he's doing. I mean, back to back to back, just showing in the past three, four years, we've just proven to be a dominant school to come and play for. So I'm not worried about getting transfers in, getting high rated recruits, and then the players that we do retain stepping up and playing those big minutes. Yeah, what's the saying? The the Ducks don't rebuild, they reload. Exactly. And we reload. They already got a, a transfer at ASU, uh, Taya Hansen, who's going to bring a lot of experience. She played like all games, all four years, I believe. Uh, she should fill in probably that uh, that Maddie Scher role or Sydney Parrish. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss those guys. They they definitely deserve bigger roles elsewhere. I think they're gonna land and they're gonna play well. But I'm really really excited about Tahina Pau-Pau because she was a freshman this year showed us what she could do. There were some inconsistencies shooting. I expect her to short up on that a lot. And her and Rogers, boy, is that going to be a lethal, lethal backcourt next season. And then, like you said, recruits. We know we're going to bring in recruits. Uh, Oregon women's basketball is like Alabama football. You know, it's a staple. It's a destination spot. So very excited about the future in in women's basketball here. Yeah, and especially uh, Tahina, because we, you know, Tahina is going to be huge running running the offense. You know, she's, she gained that experience running the offense this mm-hmm. year. She proved to not only the fans, but kind of put her name out there in the Pac-12 and then across the nation that she's gonna. She's a dominant scorer as well. She can get, you know, a twenty-piece pretty much any night. I think just like looking at her as a player, you know, just refining those consistency when it comes to shooting. But that just kind of summed up the season is that a lot of the a lot of the players on the team just kind of had in, inconsistent shooting. But we do have, you know, a couple, uh, you know, uh, Chance Gray and Grace Full uh, Volston, Vol- Volston. Sorry if I uh, mispronounce your name, but a couple of McDonald's All Americans who are coming coming to the uh, coming to the team next year. So we do have good recruits coming in. So I'm, like I said, I'm not worried. I think you said it perfectly. You know, reloading the team. You know, losing those transfers, but getting in good good uh, incoming recruits just put makes me more optimistic especially when you have returning players who kind of have that experience and looking back at the season that we had it makes me happy that we kind of went through those struggles because struggles make players better anybody in life if you go through anything in life you you struggle you come out better at the end if you know you know if you surround yourself with the right people yeah and i'm just i'm trying to think of the lineup right now it's looking like definitely pow pow and Rogers in that backcourt, you're probably going to see 
Taya Hansen play the stretch there, either the 3-4 and then Sedona Prince. Any of those recruits strike you? I'm going to test your your scouting skills a little bit. Who do you think fills that fifth role in the starting lineup? Or is it somebody who's already on the team? Um, you know, I would have to take a look at like uh, where where we're at when the season gets here because yeah. you know things things are shuffling around. But I haven't. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I haven't do- dove too much into um, much recruiting. Not to put you on the spot or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't uh, done uh, too much research on the recruiting yet. Um, you know, there's still there's still a while a while till the season comes around. But I think anybody who is a, a McDonald's All American just already yeah. is yeah. putting your name on the map. Resume is pretty padded. Right, so. right, exactly. And you know, I just think that we have a coaching staff and a scheme and a culture around here that exactly. anybody who who is going to start is going to be productive and is going to you know 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 their role when they get when they get on the team. And we don't even know what I mean. There could be more transfers. Ty Hansen was a big one, but they got India Rogers. She came over from USC and filled you know look at the role she had. So in worst case scenario, one of our McDonald's All-Americans starts, and that's not really a bad thing, barring any injuries, of course. Worst case, right. Worst case scenario. That's definitely the floor. Ceiling is through the roof. Ceiling is back to the dance. One thing that I did want to say is that the women's team was number one in Pac-12 attendance, an average of 7,751 fans per game, uh, third year in a row. So if that says anything about the culture that is built around this women's team, and we talked about it, we've been to the games, we've seen mm. women's compared to men's. Men's definitely like attracts a lot of like you know media attention and you know fans. They they come, um, you know. I feel like the fans will come for like maybe one game, you know. But what I've seen for the women's team is that it's consistent. You know, you you got season ticket holders, you got dedicated fans. And you got people who are showing out every single night. And it just shows um, the numbers show. And also, if you've ever been to a, a women's Oregon's basketball game, the energy is just through the roof. It's a legitimate program. I mean, what they've built, what Kelly Graves has built is impressive. I'm just going to go ahead and say one of our products now, Niara Saboli. She got drafted last night fifth overall to the New York Liberty, where she will be joining, of course, Sabrina Ionescu, who is a legend here. But, I mean, Oregon now is the only school since 2020 with at least four first round picks that just goes to show you know i mean this is a trademark flagship whatever you want to call it uh school in this country yeah uh shout out to you know i mean we talked about you know niara is gonna you, niara is getting drafted and she she's been one of the the best the best players not only in the pac-12 but also in the country um and you know she had an, an incredible senior senior year um, you know, 15.4 points per game, seven and 7.8 rebounds per game, shooting 52 per 52.7%. It's, it's incredible when you look at like all the things that she's done, especially like in this past season, mm-hmm. you know, her senior year where it was, you know, it was a struggle, you know, there was injuries, there was, yeah. you know, she still managed to dominate. And not only that, you know, two time all pack 12 team, pack 12 all tournament team led, led the team in scoring and rebounding, you know, She's just going to put a dominant, you know, she's not going to stop the dominance performance from college. She's going to continue that into the WNBA. And I'm so excited. And like you said, she's going to be joining her good friend Sabrina over over in the Big Apple. Who? Former number one pick, Sabrina. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. The one whose posters are like all around Eugene. <laughs> yeah. Statue. Yeah, I'm surprised if there isn't going to be a statue of her in front of the, you know, they're going to replace yeah, puddles with Sabrina. Definitely. Yeah, but big night, big night for Niara, and uh, 
we're excited about what the future holds. Great season, I think, to put a bow on it. Yeah, no doubt. Basketball. And um, I did want to uh, add her sister, Satu, first first team all uh, EuroLeague where she's playing as well. Um, just throwing that in there. Another mm-hmm. uh, product uh, playing overseas who products. Um, it runs deep in the family. The family ties go deep. Uh, you know, we could potentially be seeing the same thing um, out of a uh, little sis over in the WNBA that we're seeing on the big sis overseas. I think most definitely it's a lock. We are launching into segment two of this podcast, joined by Shane Hoffman. Shane, how was your break? It was relaxing. It was exactly what I needed. A little exhausting. I got back uh, midway through week one, but I'm glad to be back. Um, so, yeah, nothing nothing more yeah. to ask for. Uh, I would feel remiss if I didn't congratulate you on the summer gig you got at the Portland Tribune. Appreciate awesome, that, man. guys. Yeah, it'll be exciting. It's not sports, unfortunately, but I'm hoping I can kind of parlay it into some sports reporting, and we'll see from there. Definitely. Well, you're right there in the, in the thick of it. Rose City. Uh, let's launch into this, shall we? The Ducks did not make the big dance this year. Their late season meltdown landed them in the NIT bracket, where they performed decently, considering they were without Will Richardson. Uh, they were able to defeat Utah State 83-72, to but then lost to Texas A&M 75-60. to Shane, it's finally over. How excited are you for next season? I gotta say, I'm more excited that this season is over. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> this season was a tough one. It, like From coaches' point of view, from players' point of view, from fans, from media like myself... Um, <clears throat> while there were some good moments this season, you know, the, the UCLA wins come to mind, that USC win down in, in California, whatnot, um, even keeping it close with teams like Bla- Baylor, um, there just wasn't much going this season. And I'm talking with coaches more. It just seemed like it was, everyone was a little discombobulated. This roster didn't really fit. Allman had a really interesting press conference right after that last game, um, where he kind of said that, you know, he wasn't kicking anyone out of the gym this year, that he used to kick Dylan Brooks out, Peyton Pritchard out, guys like that, and that there wasn't really that work ethic this year and that, you know, whoever's coming back next year, and we'll get into that, um, they're going to have to kind of right the ship in terms of uh, the character this team plays with. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of moving pieces, definitely. You said they didn't fit. You know, with the Harmon coming in as the transfer, a lot of shoes to fill with Chris Duarte Figueroa. It was tough. It definitely, it definitely didn't look like they meshed well at all. They couldn't really find their identity, which we talked a lot about. But it's over. We got a lot of moving pieces. You know, Kep, unfortunately, is transferring. But yeah, Carlos, what do you think? Just to put a bow on everything. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just, just like you guys both said, like, thankfully that the season's over. It was a lot to kind of, like, unpack. Every week was a little different. You know, looking, um, you know, there's the the... This, there was highs, um, you know. You mentioned the the big wins, you know, uh, hanging in there with Baylor, the the LA wins. Um, but then there was those really low lows where it was kind of like not knowing where the identity was, and that was some things that we talked about, you know, when when Shane was here, is that like where's the identity and wh- where where is this team gonna go? Um, I am excited for the season to be over. I am. It, it hurts when there's players that aren't returning and they couldn't make that impact that uh, you know we we were hoping for them to to make um just being a fan of the sport and just you know being a fan of this team you want everybody to be successful and you want these players that you know that we are rooting for especially you know like Kep you know like we talked about one of our favorite players Mm. that we've seen just high intensity always hustling always playing his hardest you know I wish I wish the best for him but excited to see where this next next season goes um, especially here in, you know, the, you know, talking about that Dana Altman press conference, you know, just bringing back that intensity and just um, bringing that identity back to where we want it to be. Yeah. And <clears throat> a guy like Kep is a bummer. I, I loved watching him. I mean, he was, he was great to chat with, you know, media wise. Um, but you look at this roster next year and 
I don't think he would have played much, and I think he could play a lot somewhere else. I mean, he's a developmental guy, and I think he could still make it to the league, honestly. Um, but with guys like Dante, with with Biddle coming back, and then you got a guy like you know Kalel Ware coming in, who I want to talk about. That's a pretty stacked in terms of those are three guys that are seven feet tall. They're going to play center. You could maybe play two of them together. I kind of doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to go by maybe position and just start to talk a little bit about it next year? Yeah, I'd love to. Let's, it's, let's it's, start down low then maybe, yeah? Yeah, it's definitely got to look a little different. You know, they had like four point guards uh, last year. Do you think it'll be a little more more emphasis on the front court this year? Yeah, well, so I was, I was kind of looking at this this morning, and there's going to be movement still, I would imagine. But I think everyone who's left... Like, I don't think there's anyone else that's going to leave, necessarily. They might add one piece. Davion came back. Will, still on the side. I tend to think he'll probably come back. You've got Dior coming in. You've got Rigsby. You've got Williams also coming in. So the guard position has a lot of guys, and those aren't all ones, necessarily. But I think they'll probably roll with, if Will came back, it would be Will, Davion, um, and then you probably go Garrier and Soares, and then one center. But I could see them going Biddle and Dante, maybe. I don't know if Ware and Dante can play together yet, though. That's the thing with the shoot. Yeah. Well, Rivaldo Soares played in the NIT with Richardson out and actually looked pretty solid. I was going to so. say, he he was the guy that jumped out to me. And if yeah. you watched closely this season, it wasn't hard to kind of pick out his polish. Like, he wasn't necessarily making the shots, but he had, good, like, good, clean moves, and it looked fluid. It looked like yeah. he had been in college for a while. And so I think he's like a breakout guy this year, honestly. And we and we uh, I'm glad that you mentioned a guy like Nate Biddle because he towards the end of the season actually started to really like get more minutes. And I feel like Altman was kind of giving him the opportunity like, hey, we're going to use you next year. We're going to really put you in the offense and not only the offense, but defense. We're going to put you into the scheme. So let's get you out there and let's uh, see what you got a little bit. And uh, I think the guard position is somewhere where we. Um, you know, is always been successful. If you look back at like multiple duck teams, the guard position has been something that's been um, successful with with Dana Altman. Um, but I'm excited to see where where the bigs play out because having um, kind of that unknown territory of like you know the potential of rolling out two seven footers is scary. But also, you know, it could be something that teams don't want to face. You know, I. I I'm a big fan of like two bigs. I think that Twin Towers lineup, it reminds me of like Tim Duncan and David Robinson back in the day. Super scary team, super dominant. But I'm excited to see how these play out with the, you know, maybe with the new players and whoever returns. If Biddle can keep shooting threes like he showed in high school, like he showed at times, especially at the end of last year, and if you go to the games early or practice, you watch him and he's just shooting threes the whole time and they're cash. So I wonder if that was a him decision. It was probably a coaching staff decision to be like, okay, unless we feel like you can make, you know, 30-whatever percent of these in the game, we're not going to have you shoot them quite yet. And I don't really know how they kind of monitor that because in-game is so different than practice. Where quickly, I don't think he finds himself starting next year. Um, you know, Dana doesn't go too heavy with freshmen usually. Like Biddle, for example. Right, and yeah, if Dante— I forget, if, he was a big recruit. Yeah, exactly. And if Dante stays healthy, which isn't if, he was really good at times last year. And he'll be even better this year having like a whole offseason of just work and not rehab. That's a big mm-hmm. difference, right? Where I've watched a little bit. I wasn't able to make it up to the Nike Hoops, Hoop Summit in Moda Center. I wanted to. But I watched that. I've watched some other stuff. Really good passer. Um, really versatile. Like not like a bull bull. But he's like bigger. And he might be better at like rebounding and blocking uh-huh. shots already because of that. Really long. A lot of, lot of potential. A lot of there. length. Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like he really wants to be at Oregon. Gary A, I think, is the number one breakout yes, guy. I mentioned Soares a second ago, but Altman, like in that kind of end of season, I won't even call it a rant, but that kind of monologue he did, 
kind of unprompted. Garrier was a guy who he's like, okay, like, you know, Garrier struggled at times, but he was like, but if you look at like who was putting in the most work at the end of the season, it was him, and it showed in the shooting percentages. Um, and I think we talked about this last time, and it was a while ago now, but he was one of the more impressive uh, pieces down the end, given how rough he started. I think he takes a huge step forward with one less guard because Jacob Young is gone. Um, you know, it could still be a guard-centric offense, but there's going to be more touches for him, you know, even if he's in a, in a lineup with, you know, a Richardson, Davion, Harmon, and, and you know, Soares. Um, I think he's going to take a huge step forward. Who do you expect to take over that Eric Williams role a little bit? Kind of that six-man hustle guy, kind of a dog defensively. Mm, yeah, because it would have been Soares, but I think Soares might start, right? So here's one. Um, Ethan Butler. Nobody knows okay. about this guy. He he got on the roster last minute last season. He's from Canada. Um, and this could be a shot in the dark. 6'6", 205. Right, so okay. big guy, known for his defense. Offensively, not a ton of polish yet, but talking with assistant coach Mike Menega, uh, this is a guy he likes a lot. Mike Menega, also the number one recruiter for Mookie Cook, who we can talk about, who's coming next year, um, year after next, rather. Um, Butler's a, a name to watch. Look, Ward is still on this team, too. Um, and I expect him to be a bigger part of the rotation this year. Um, but if it's not those two, I, I don't know if that guy's on the roster yet in terms of that kind of player. But in terms of just like a come off the bench, like a score first Lou Will type, um, the Juco guy, Tyrone Williams, would be my pick. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I just want to touch back on uh, Guerrier because we um, he he's the guy that I, I'm so excited for because like we talked about at the beginning of the season, like or not the beginning of the season, sorry, um, towards the end of the season when you uh, came on, I was calling for him to be the number one option. You know, when when Richardson was out and our offense was, you know, we didn't know what the what the identity was. I'm excited to see him take that role. I I think that he's going to be I think he has NBA level talent with, you know, with if he polishes up a few few of his um, you know, few of his game, especially like his three-point shooting just like it's good. It just needs maybe that one more step, but I think his back to the basket game is crazy. He's got post work. He can um he can score at any any moment. But going into to next season, you mentioned the Juco transfer. Um, what what are you most excited to see? You know, for for him coming through because he did play big big time in the in the JUCO tournament where uh, he really shined out. Yeah, you know, I haven't watched a ton of him, but everything I've seen, like he's just a bucket getter. And they have they have Rigsby coming in too. Um, I don't think Rigsby, the point guard, is going to get much run this year. But you know, Tyrone Williams, like they didn't have a lot of... So we, and you're talking about Gary, because this, this relates to Gary, right? And I think the reason you probably saw Gary as a fit for the first option is because, you know, while the NBA has gone totally forward-driven, like, and college is still lacking, like, that a forward who can score is still the most valuable thing in the game of basketball, period, right? Any level. And Gary, if he's going to shoot threes like he did, and he's got that NBA frame, he can score in the post, like you mentioned. Like, that's the kind of guy you want. So Tyron Williams, like, he's 6'5", but, like, he's he's... He doesn't feel like a point guard. Like he's bigger, right? Um, it reminds me a little bit of Soros. So if he can come in and he can be, you know, a guy that's hitting shots a little bit earlier, again, there's not going to be a ton of pressure on him. I think he'll probably be coming off the bench, and he could be like either sixth man. He'll definitely be in their top eight, and that's what, you know, eventually Altman is just going to run a top eight. He kind of, you know, phases out the ninth and tenth men as the season go on. But I'm excited just to see a guy who can go get buckets, and hopefully they can kind of, you know, take the leash off him a little bit. And it's all going to depend on this defense because I also want to talk about Dior Johnson. Like defense is the way you get on the court for Allman. Dior is this guy who I think people have been so excited about because he committed like last year at this point. He didn't reclassify um, this kind of 
uh, mystique around him. He's actually fallen a little bit in the recruiting, right? Like Ware is now way above him, but he's still a top 20-something guy. And I don't see any world in which he starts, personally, barring injuries. So I'm curious, like, he's such an exciting player offensively. Like, what are you guys expecting from him? I think it might be a little bit of a slower first year than some people expect. Yeah. Well, I'm just excited to be talking about all these options. I remember when we, we were back here a few weeks ago, we were like, like, who do they go to? It's like two games left in the regular season. So I think overall they're trending in the right direction. But, I mean, just to talk about some of these players, I just think there's going to be so much more flair, so much, so much more they can do. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. There's You're bringing up guys that I hadn't even considered. That, <laughs> right, like, right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really... I'm excited. I don't know. Carlos, what do you got? Yeah, I think flair, I think flair is the right word. But uh, what Shane, what you said is uh, what defense. Um, I think that that right there. You know, seeing these players play and hopefully that like um, at the beginning of the season, the the rotation starts to figure out. And obviously, these players haven't played together yet, so these are all just hypothetical situations that we're talking about and uh, potential of seeing like you know, hopefully this player works out here. But I think what it all comes down to is in a in a Dana Almond system is can you can you play defense? You know, where where are you going to stack up defensively? A lot of these players we talked about are bucket getters. You know, they they can score. They they've proven they can they can score. But um, what's really going to make a defense or a difference to me is which players can play defense. I think the players that can play defense consistently too. You know, uh, the guards if they can play you know potential one through three switch off and play that perimeter defense, and then the bigs obviously four through three or uh, five through three, I think that's going to make a big difference on who actually plays and who actually makes a difference on the court. Yeah, I think if you're looking at guys who played last year, Dante and Harmon have definitely proved that they can put work in on the defensive end, especially Harmon, mm-hmm. you know, playing on the perimeter. But yeah, I don't know, Shane, you got kind of the... the well, I was just going to say, there. like, I, you know, there's 12 guys on this team right now, barring another transfer. They don't really need to add anyone. It's like not like the most star-studded talent-wise team outside of like maybe the top five or six players. But I think that might be totally fine because last year, I don't know, I thought this team coming in last year, like just by like looking at all the pieces and like trusting Altman, they were top 10. I like felt like they could have they could have been an Elite Eight team last year before the season started. And it seemed like uh, work ethics weren't really there and personalities clashed. And so maybe a team where it's like maybe top-heavy talent-wise, but guys that just want to work, maybe that's what they need. Um, Pure egos, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to like as media. Like, it's hard for me to like sit back and say that stuff. Like, I don't know what exactly what was going on. I don't want to, you know, guess too much. But yeah, I mean, it, and it'll be interesting too. Like you were talking about switching on the perimeter. Like, if Biddle or Ware or, or Dante can take a step up there, then maybe we see you know Biddle Ware lineups or Biddle Dante lineups. Again, I don't think we see many Dante and Ware lineups, but who knows? And I think Will, if he does come back, like he's gonna have a phenomenal season. I think he caught a lot of flack, and you know I was giving some to him before he got hurt. I thought he wasn't kind of taking the reins of the offense, but or it's not not hurt. Excuse me, uh, sick. He had mono, and yeah. every you know, everyone I know who has has mono says it's like one of the worst, most debilitating sicknesses you're gonna have. And he was playing through a lot of it, right? So. Um, I'm excited to see him, if he does come back, kind of put a stamp on his career because it didn't really feel right the way he went out. And I Definitely think not. You know, people need to get over the Peyton Pritchard comparisons, but I think a year removed from that, people probably will. Yeah, I I, I just want to touch back on what you said, like being media and, uh, you know, not knowing what's going on in players' head is like a, a huge, like, thing to say because that's, that's true. Like, we, you know, we're sitting here, we don't really know what's going on with players and especially like uh, when when Will's like unknown sickness first came out, it was like, okay, what's really going on? And he did get a lot of flack and not only from you, from, I know 
uh, us here, we we were calling for like, you know, what's going on? And we know what this guy is capable of. You know, he's got to step up. But um, I appreciate you saying that because that is a huge thing that, um, you know, I hope that if he does come back that he I think he will have that bounce back because it's that mm-hmm. redemption of like, you know, a lot of people said a lot of things. And as a player and seeing anybody who has competed in that level is that they're going to want to prove themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'll be easier for them to play with two dominant guards, not three dominant guards, because as good as that looked at times, like Harmon and especially Jacob, they weren't good enough three-pointer, three-point shooter, excuse me, to make that work. Like Will's great three-point shooter, albeit kind of streaky. Davion picked it up. Jacob, I don't think he even eclipsed the 30% mark. No. And as, as good as he was slashing, like sometimes the offense looked best when he ran it. I think having one guy out of that equation will help. Again, I don't really see them running Dior, Davion, Will lineups if that were, you know, again, if Will were to come back and if that were to happen. I just don't really see that. Um, but I think they have like a very clear, like it makes sense. There's less questions about this roster and about like the top five, top eight than I had last year. And again, moving parts still, right? But I think most of the guys that are going to leave are probably gone. So again, I, I, I see the two guards, you know, maybe a Soros, a, a Garrier, and then, you know, probably Dante, but who knows? And I think that's a really balanced lineup on both ends and if Soros can kind of take an uptick you know shooting Gary takes that step forward you know all these guys they seem primed for a step forward and mm. you know not all of them will obviously that's how basketball works but I don't know it, it should be a, a, a you know hopefully a more exciting year you know, I'll be back in the fall I don't think I'll be able to you know watch much of this team because um, I won't be here for the winter but you know it seems like a team that might start the season pretty unheralded compared to last year, just because I think they have to earn that respect again after what they did last year. Um, but it seems to me like it could, again, probably be a top 25 team. Yeah, definitely. A lot of changes. Changes in the coaching staff. They brought in uh, Chuck Martin, who was a great mm-hmm. hire. I know the players are excited about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know too much about him, but I know, you know, last season they make a coaching change, and then he immediately go gets his guy Davion Harmon, right? Mm-hmm. Chris Crutchfield had a relationship there. He brought him in. Um, Chuck Martin worked with, you know, over at, at South Carolina, you know, another program that's had a lot of success. Um, I kind of just trust Allman when it comes to these hires. Um, and, and assistant coaches, you know, that stuff doesn't really, you know, come into play much until there's recruiting battles or until there's, you know, in-season adjustments that need to be made. So it's, it's kind of hard to harp on that too much right now, but I think, you know, Turnover isn't bad, especially because, you know, he's had some of his assistant coaches for as long as he's been at the school. So and uh, I, you wanted to talk on um, uh, Mookie Cook. I want to yeah, I want to I want yeah. you to be able to to touch on that before we get out of here. Yeah. You know, it's exciting. He was he was maybe going to reclassify to play this year, which would have been then. Then all of a sudden you're looking at like, how does this starting lineup shake out? Right. But coming in next year, he's coming in with Jackson Shellstad. So two Oregon guys. Shellstad, a high four star. He is, I think, top five. He's a five star Mookie Cook. And so two guys that you're not going to worry about them wanting to be here. They're Oregonians. That's a big reason why they committed, especially with Mookie. He has got a lot of love for the university. I know. Sister uh, ran track here, I believe. Right? Yep. hundred yeah. percent right. So uh, there's that connection, and, you know, they're friends already, Shellstad and, and Cook. And I think it's cool, you know, Oregon isn't a big basketball state in terms of preps and recruiting, but to have two guys like that, you know, pretty high-caliber recruits from the state coming in, you know, you're bolstering, you know, next year's class, but also just kind of the aura around Oregon where you've gotten, you got two five-stars this year, you know, it wasn't too long ago that you got, you know, guys like Bull and before that, right, and Troy Brown, and so you're getting more of these high-caliber guys, and Let's be honest, like talent wins, right? Especially when you have a defensive system 
that's predicated on guys just getting buckets on the other end and making a lot out of little. Like, you need talent. So a guy like Mookie Cook, who's athletic as he is, loves the school, great character, good defensively. I mean, that's going to be a blast in two years as well. Yeah, the guy's ridiculous. Athleticism, like you said, excellent for mid-range, can play down low, uh, and he's going to bring that juice back. So, I mean, it's it's two years from now, so we don't want to speculate too much, but definitely a huge, huge recruit. Yeah. You guys want to touch on Pro Day stuff? Let's do it. Quick? Yeah, you were there, Shane, weren't you? There were 11 participants? Yeah, it was a, you know, it was pretty star-studded Pro Day. Anthony Thomas was supposed to come, and he didn't. His uh, He's on the BC Lions, and I think they kind of blocked it last minute, which makes sense because he is on a roster, so I'm not really sure... <laughs> You know, I think he, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he had committed to the pro day before he got signed by them. So that kind of makes sense why that would have happened. Uh-huh. I was there really just watching Devin Allen, honestly. You know, played football here for that 2014 national championship team. He had two really bad leg injuries. I kind of forgot about him, to be honest. Yeah. I know he went and did his thing in track, but I'm, right. I was very excited to see him back out there. Yeah, and he's, I mean, this summer he's going to be back, you know, at the Worlds doing his thing. Mm-hmm. But he just got signed by the Eagles. Yes, he did. Uh, he's our other, our second product. Yeah. So congratulations so, to him going to the city of brotherly love. Yeah, that that was exciting. You know, it, it was fun to watch him run. He was by far the fastest and most that most athletic, uh, uh, maybe not most athletic, but by far the mm-hmm. fastest player at pro day. And then the other guy, I mean, KT was there, um, and it was just sure. interesting to see. I mean, there was representatives, I think, from maybe 31 of the 32 teams. You had the Lions general manager there, and the Lions themselves had like seven people there. I know they're meeting with him this week, and. He might actually go number two after all that stuff about him falling out of the top whatever. But it was a cool scene. It was a little bit boring, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. For someone like me, like I love the nitty-gritty, but that stuff is a little bit too nitty-gritty. It's a lot of just whistles. And and you also you don't get the results right away, right? So right. we're all over here so in our media fest, right? yeah, yeah. like trying to get it, but you don't find out until yeah. you know hours later. And so it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, but what are you guys like? I'm sure you guys are following mock drafts, this and that. Like... Not only guys like KT, but those DBs too, and a Devin Williams, Johnny Johnson. Like, what are you guys seeing? Like, where do you think these guys might slot in? And and you know, who are you most hopeful for? Kind of having a, or expecting to have, you know, a, a, a good career going forward. You know, barring a bad fit. Like, hopefully they you know, yeah. a, a good a good team, right? Hopefully they land well. Uh, Kayvon, you said it, first round pick. We all know it. Even if he falls, I don't see him going outside the top ten. I agree. Uh, you said the Detroit Lions. I think that's definitely a team. I think Verone McKinley is going to go in probably round two or three. And I think he's going to play really, really well. We saw Javon Holland go second round to Miami. And there were chat, you know, a little bit before, you know, Michael Parsons just exploded. Talks about him maybe being defensive rookie of the year candidate. Mm -hmm. Uh, CJ Verdell is tough. I think if he hadn't had that injury, he would have been a lot higher. His stock might have dropped a little bit. But as far as those who get drafted, I would say Kayvon definitely, Verone McKinley, Mikhail Wright will get drafted, and then Devin Williams may be in the later rounds. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think Johnny Johnson, um, other guys like that, I don't think AB, I think we all know, is probably not going to be playing in the NFL anyways. But yeah, I think it's a pretty solid class. Carlos, what do you think? Yeah, the good thing about football um, is that they're starting to expand. You know, there's these other leagues popping up. So, uh, you know, there's there's opportunity for Doug players to go on and still play at, at the next level. You know, there is another level past, past collegiate. Um, definitely KT. I think I think all the talk about him dropping out of like even the top five is just a wash. You know, I it, anybody who has seen him play and has seen him perform at his top level, like the dude's a, a top two pick. I think he, yeah. I think he I think he should go one or two. I I, th- yeah, I think he'll probably drop to two. 
Um, I and if whoever gets him, I think he is going to be going to be a good pick. Uh, McKinley, I'm glad that you said him. I think the the new face of the DBs coming out of Oregon is like been been great. I I, I think he's going to be play really well. Um, but CJ Fredell, even with the injury, I think running backs are just like you know they they cycle through the NFL, but consistent running back who has shown that they can play and produce numbers. Um, I think he's gonna end up on a on a roster and actually mm-hmm. put up some good numbers. Yeah, the only thing I worry about with him is like injuries, and I think a lot of the running backs you see having success early and, and teams targeting are guys that didn't have a huge workload, like the mileage on the running backs. You talk about it so much because it's kind of a two back league. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's also like you're not giving big money to running backs anymore. You want like and a guy like Alvin Kamara was like a you know a secondary back, and I don't think he ever had more than 18 carries in a game in college or something, and he ends up just exploding. He's like fresh legs, right? Yeah. And, Verdell played so much, he had so many injuries that as explosive as he was, I would be s- surprised to see him go higher than like the sixth round at, at best. And it's a bummer because he's a pretty storied yeah. Oregon player, right? But it's also, you know, a position where Oregon players have had a lot of success. So who knows? Well, it's also, you know, you talk about running backs in the NFL, you have to be able to catch. Pass catchers are like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. They've kind of revolutionized that position the way Steph Curry has mm-hmm. changed, you know, the, in the NBA. And I don't know if that's a, a kind of a CJ Verdell. He's kind of just a. He doesn't struggle with it, but it's not his. Str- it's not his strength. It's exactly. Not his type thing. Guy, um, yeah. They had him running a lot of routes at pro day. They did, but they they also I don't know who the coach was, but they someone was barking at him a little bit about positioning and this and that. And again, it's a good point though. I don't know. I you know just tie a bow in the whole thing like KT. Um, it's not hard to see why he fell either based on like I mean he's just a very outspoken guy and confident he's, very he's confident a very confident guy. and like it doesn't air on cocky a lot of the time and I understand why a lot of people don't like that it's not my favorite thing but he he's backed it up on on the field McKinley's definitely the guy like you both mentioned um he just didn't run very fast he ran like a four six and that's not like an end-all be-all because he's so smart having that range back there like yeah a lot of it's dependent on speed but I think he we can agree like when you watch him like he had the, the back end kind of range he might not go even in the third round, he might fall to the fourth. I don't think so, but I think even if he did, like I, if he ends up having like a season where he he might start really deep, relegated on the bench, he works his way up, he gets a, mm-hmm. a starting role for a week, he picks off two. It's like none of it would surprise me because a guy like Demo Lenore or Thomas Graham, they got you know mostly Graham got limited you know, action, but he played one game and he was great yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah, and Mikhail Wright, just to talk a little more about the secondary, I think he might have, a, you know, wherever he lands, could be used with special teams, maybe even Definitely. more so than defense. Definitely. The guy is quick, quick, quick. He was returning kicks for us. So teams looking at returners, you know, you might see a lot of him there. I mean, and, and, and I hope for Devin Williams' sake, he gets drafted. He had a really rough year last year. He had a kid. Um, people didn't really know what was going on. People criticized him when he committed. Uh, to go to the draft, and, and then he came out and he explained why. But And even A.B., right? Like, we'd all enjoy it if A.B. was able to get on a roster, especially with the grace he went out with on the you know on the season. And I thought he had a great second half in that bowl game. And he took so much shit from people this year. Um, and some of it was warranted. A lot of it wasn't, though. Um, so any of those guys that can think they're on a roster would be great. Um, but, yeah, that you know, you're definitely going to want to watch that, that top five, top ten. I think a lot of Oregon fans are going to be tuning in. I think every single one of them could sign with the team post-draft. No and doubt. maybe land on practice. Even squads. John Johnson, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. If, if if a guy like Dylan Mitchell a few years ago could land on a, on a practice yeah. squad, I mean, like same kind of build. You know, Dylan maybe had a more prolific season because he was like the only receiver on one of those teams with yeah. Herbert early on. But and he ended up washing out. But I, you're right. I think all of them can land, and we saw that. You know, last season too, all these guys found mm-hmm. 
you know, and a lot of them, again, washed out, and that's the nature of the league. But to even just get on practice squad, I know a lot of fans like to see that. So. Devin Allen signed a contract, and the guy hasn't played football in how many years? There now? we go. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe that sweetens the pot a little bit for the other guys. But, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will be back next week as usual. And go Ducks.